ODP had a big weekend, NCAAs are nearing an end, and I watched Hungarian water polo, and I am back on today's TX Water Polo. I'm James Smith, back in beautiful Austin, Texas, and on Skype is Joe Linehan in North Texas. What's been going on, Joe? Um, I, I didn't have any flight delays. I uh, Yeah, but I heard you did. So Hungary, is, uh, the, the airport at Budapest is apparently not entirely familiar with the concept of snow. And so overnight, uh, the night that uh, before we were planning on flying out to London, the plane is just absolutely covered in snow and ice. And it took two and a half hours before the the um, de-icing equipment came to the plane. So anyway, I missed my flight. I spent another night in London. I didn't really want to. I got no problem with London. I wanted to come home, but I'm back. I'm tired. I don't know where I am right now, but uh, we, apparently I've missed a ton uh, being overseas uh, while uh, Texas water polo continued without me. But you got to see a little water polo over in Hungary, right? Coach Peter, shout out to him. He set me up um, with uh, FTC. I cannot pronounce what the F stands for. It's, uh, yeah, I just can't. Hungarian is an incredible language. But yeah, I watched them destroy Seged. And uh, Seged is apparently quite a young team. And they showed it. They couldn't play defense against really these guys that are the best in the world. And, but what was what was also interesting was that in the fourth quarter they were they were winning like 16 to five or something like that and they put in their second goalkeeper and I swear that kid looked like he was in junior high school he was so young but anyway he he made a couple of really good saves the bench went nuts um, the crowd went nuts they have cheering sections that go the entire game like a soccer match it was it was pretty pretty cool yeah I'd love to see that up in the stands at a event here in the United States. Yeah. And, the, yeah, and that'd be fun. So that's Peter Hudek from. That's Trinidad. correct. That's correct. I don't, I often don't leave last names out there just cause I don't know whether they want me to say anything, but he knows who he is. And he was, he, he helped me out a great deal. He was actually in Budapest at the time. He just couldn't make it to that game that night. Plus I think he knew it was going to be a blowout. And I was like, I don't care. I just want to go see. So what else did you do when you were over there? I'm sure it wasn't all water polo. I'm sure your wife would not have won that. Culture, culture. I, I, um, a little inside baseball. My background is in Soviet and East European studies. I have a degree in that stuff, so I've been studying Central and Eastern Europe for a while. I'm sort of out of it. I'm quite rusty, but it's pretty amazing what Hungary went through in the the, the wartime period. And there, uh, and, and of course, uh, you know, between 1956 and the time that the wall fell in 1990. So. It is chock full of incredible history, and um, so I, we had a great time. People were super friendly. Um, everyone speaks English. I don't know whether that's good or bad. I sometimes feel embarrassed about that, but Hungarian is a nightmare language to learn, so I'm, I'm quite pleased that that was the case. But really beautiful, really uh, right in the middle of Christmas time, you know, so lots of lights, lots of, uh, you know, those markets, the Christmas markets they have all over the place. They're everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I've I've heard only wonderful things. I've actually never been. A lot of people think that I've been over there, and I've never been. And I've had my opportunities to go. I just haven't been able to. to it yeah, it hasn't worked out. But at some point, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get over to Eastern Europe and the Hungary and the Romania and, and Croatia and, and yeah, in Serbia and, and watch some water polo. Me too. Yeah, I've only. Well, I, I've only been to the Czechoslovakia back when it was that, and then the, La, the the Baltics, and I lived in Leningrad for a while and visited Moscow a few times. So I've done that stuff, but I haven't done um, the Mediterranean stuff. So I really want to go to Slovenia and to 
um, Serbia to Croatia to Montenegro, those places. I'm, I'm really looking forward to going there someday, but that's the next trip. By the way, we also went to Vienna, a spectacular city. And I've been there before, but I don't remember it being as beautiful. And it is, if you think, if you think, let's say London or Hungary has culture, man, Vienna is just, inc- it's just top to bottom, just chock full of beauty and culture. I loved it. Well, you, you got a lot more of uh, frequent flyer miles. To, yeah. Than I did. So I did. I did. They'd actually I drove don't... all, I, I like, I just, I drove all over the state of Texas. So yeah. That's tell us. So that's a, that's a bit of a different journey. So what, what was the, what was the occasion and where'd you go? Nothing as exciting as Vienna or <laughs> Hungary, but uh, I, I just drove and saw family down in San Antonio. We went to South Padre Island for a couple of days, back to, and back to San Antonio. Just uh, just a lot of driving. So yeah. But um, no, but I'm glad that you had the opportunity, to, yeah, to go over there and yeah, and yeah, and see some water polo and such, and you know, and unfortunately, you got to miss the ODP stuff that yeah that happened this past weekend. Yeah, I told you last time. So uh, I'm uh, I am the head coach for the boys side, and what did I do? I skipped out of town for our biggest weekend of the year. Um, but we actually even had a conference call last night between the boys' coaches to go over evaluations of players and so on. And so we're 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 well underway with um, preparing ourselves for the uh, regional championships in Utah in January. But the weekend went, from my understanding, extremely well. Yeah, from what I gathered, there was a record number of kids on both the boys and girls side. Um, I know the coaches had to drive a little bit between yes, they did. the like the camp up in North Texas on 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 Saturday and the camp in uh, Houston on Sunday. Yeah. But um, I think there was a ton of kids out there. Um, I mean, it was it had to be over the holiday weekend because of the change of schedule because of the new event that's coming up in January. But right. Um, but but from everybody that I heard, it was a great experience, you know, for all involved. So. Yeah, we have double the coaches that we had last year, and the feedback has been nothing but positive about the, the including everybody. And um, it's um, when when it's just three coaches per side on staff, it's totally fine. It's manageable, but it's really great to have other people involved. They're both contributing, and obviously they're learning. And and again, that's what I heard about this weekend is that our new coaches did a really good job. Yeah, and and also just that kind of kind of piggybacked on the ODK uh, or the ODP camps and such was we had a referee school in North Texas, a USA Water Polo referee yeah, school, both of them, North right? Texas and in Houston. So yeah. and Lavon, who's the director of referees for USA Water Polo, was in yeah you know, yeah was at both, and he also got to do the drive and he got to stop at Bucky's and all uh, and kind of, <laughs> uh, and yeah and kind of did the Texas thing, but um but but. You know, from what I gathered, there was a ton of people there. There was even some people from other sports, from like soccer and lacrosse that were that were wanting to get involved. So, you know, for for anybody that's kind of listening, we are going to do a like a bit of a, a referee show in, in a couple of weeks. But, you know, all those former players, parents, if you want to get involved, please contact your local coaches who can put you in touch with the local referee people. We we can never have enough referees. So. I didn't know that there were um, that there were referees from other sports. That's I just heard that the 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 turnout was even better than expected, which is really good because obviously we need more referees. But that's really good news. I had no idea that yeah. there were those coming from other sports. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's yeah it's yeah it's going to be important for us to get those people that yeah, that crossover sports that understand the concept of being a referee that understand like, you know, in soccer, there's a, there's a bit of an, of an advantage rule in soccer. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, you know, the advantage rule is what makes a oh, water pool unique because that's like kind of what the driving force of all like of all the refereeing for water polo is. And, you know, you don't really have the advantage rule in basketball. Right. You right, know, right. So, or in or in football. So right. but like, you know, um, I, I'm not saying that people from those sports can't can't make the crossover, but there's going to be I mean, we need uh, referees, especially with the UAL coming in fall of 2021 so if you're interested please again just contact you yeah like your local coaches or contact us and we can and we can definitely point you in the right direction yeah um it's uh that's very encouraging news it's a that was a um, when you're running the odp camps um and i did last year while we had both of those um, referee schools at the same time the overlap is meaningful, but you're so heads down about what's going on in the pool and with your athletes that you don't really see necessarily everything that's going on. So that's spectacularly good news that there's so many people who showed up. That's uh, good for the state and good for the sport. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then I guess this week, a lot of the clubs are starting their kind of their kind of their mini winter seasons, you know, both like, kind of just all over the state and such um, with kind of practice, kind of getting back into the scheme of things after Thanksgiving break. I know, like, I think I think Thunder's hosting a game day this upcoming weekend. I think Southside's hosting a game day this upcoming weekend. And then uh, and then Caltown is kind of hosting their first term at the Caltown Stampede, uh, like, this upcoming weekend in North Texas. Aren't you bringing the team? I'll, I'll be there. I got. I, they were kind enough to schedule our first game at 3 o'clock on Saturday, so that's very civilized. I get to leave Austin, you know, at, like, 9, 10 in the morning. It's great. Um but yes, I'll be up there for the weekend. We're fielding our own 14 and under team and our partnership with Longhorn, and we get to uh, throw a couple of our kids theoretically on their 12 and under team. But yeah, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Our kids have really been itching for some competition. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. I'll actually be on the pool deck coaching myself this weekend. Yeah. Well, um, that's a they, we have a couple they brought you out of retirement. Well, it's just a lot of people are. We have a couple developmental clubs up here. Uh, one's called Lone Star Waterpool, which is which is formerly called was called Rockwall. The other one is called Mavericks, which is which is formerly called Titan. So there's a Lone Star Mavericks kind of combo 12 and under team that's being played. We didn't really. There's a lot of coaches out of town, so I'm stepping in to help coach a little bit. So uh, it's gonna be fine. So the, so the coach are gonna get Coach Joe in the pool deck. So I'm sure people are listening and going, Oh my God, those kids have no idea what's coming, but that's all right. Wait, only your are your teams only 12 and under? Yeah, it's only 12 and under. Okay, I was thinking maybe you and I would coach against one another, and then we can find out who was better. No, no, no. I'm just going to be – I'll be clapping a lot and making sure the kids have a smile on their face afterwards. So. Yeah. Two days, 14 and unders only. No, that's not correct. There's a, there's some other high school-aged um, competition going on as well. But other than that, it's your typical 12 to 14, 16, and 18 and under tournament. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, um, speaking of the younger ages, is holiday camps are coming up. And that's mm-hmm. something that I'm I, – I confess, I, I probably know less about this than I should. So maybe you can fill people in about how that works. Yeah, the holiday camps are coming up. So the girls holiday camp is this Thursday to Monday, and then the boys is next week. Same thing, Thursday to Monday. So there will be, I believe, a 10 different athletes that are eighth that are eighth grade and younger for, yeah, for girls. There would be 10 Southwest Zone athletes, and there's 10 athletes from each zone that get to go. It's at the U, it's at the United States Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. Altitude training. Yeah. Oh, and it's where they get. Yeah, they stay there. They eat there. They train there. And then it is wall to wall water polo. It is wake up water polo. It's it's uh, it's 
a training session in the morning, a training session in the afternoon. There is a classroom in the afternoon. Then there, and yeah, and yeah, and then at night there's a, another classroom. And then they also get introduced to other things as far as you know, nutrition and uh, weight training, and uh, by these Olympic experts. Right. So this is this is something that USA Water Polo has been doing for years and years and years. And I'm and I am 45 years old, and I went to this camp a long time ago. That says something. And uh, was it so? I I actually went to this camp as an athlete. I went back as a student coach. I I went back as a staff coach. I ran the camp for a couple of years back in the late 2000s. And you know this is this is this is something that is truly wonderful that USA Water Polo has been putting on for years and years. It's not just about athlete development too, but it's also about coach development because. The athlete to coach ratio is probably like three or four to one. Mm-hmm. And it's there. There's if you're a student coach, there's going to be a staff that's going to be helping you. And then and then you in turn are, are going to be watching the kids and kind of and, yeah, and kind of coaching the kids on, on on the pool deck. And then they even have a referee component now, too. OK, so. This is, I mean, this is this is a great experience. I mean, this is this is something I, I still remember going there. Back whenever I was doing it, we had to be shipped out to the air, the, like the Air Force Academy to, right. yeah, for the training sessions. But they actually have a pool on campus there now. Yep. I mean, it is, it's going to be a great experience, you know, for all those boys and girls that are going to be going from the Southwest zone. So. Beautiful. All right. And um, other stuff is ramping up, like you said, as well in the zone. Um, game days, aside from Cowtown, the tournament, that's a, really the last tournament of the calendar year. Um, then, uh, But there's also local stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. And then there's these a uh, couple little tournaments this weekend. There is the USA Water Pool Division Three Collegiate uh, Championships. Never there's also the Men's NCAA Championships. Yeah, didn't yeah. know. No and idea. we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about that next. Uh, all right, time for a break. In many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to txwaterpolo.com donate and help us continue covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hey, this is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo podcast. Also, you can check out the website. You can follow me at GoSmith now. Thanks, guys. James and Joe back, and really back, like after a hiatus, back uh, with the TX Water Polo podcast. Um, we left the last segment saying that there's a little tournament or two happening this coming weekend. Uh, the NCA season is going to be wrapping itself up. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about Division Three and the Division One championships. But um, a, a brief mention of Austin College. I plan to talk to Coach Mark here um, before the next podcast about the uh, basically just to wrap up the entire season. Um, they, we spoke to him before the trip to California and their idea, you know, the plan was to win two games and, uh, they ended up winning one. They beat Penn state Baron in the first game, uh, 10 to nine, and then came back in the last game and, uh, were not quite as strong lost nine to eight. I think that's the final score. So their season ends with four wins, which is the, they've, they've been playing for two years. So there's no comparison last year. They won one game this year four. Um, so I think that there's some encouraging signs about the, that program, um, for the next couple of years. 
Yeah, Ahmed, I mean, they are predominantly uh, sophomores and freshmen. You know, um, they're going to be uh, bringing most of their uh, their significant contributors back, I assume. Yep. And then I'm sure they're going to be bringing in some pretty good athletes, you know, both from in Texas and out of Texas. And I, I think they'll be even like, uh, you know, they'll be even uh, better and more competitive next year, especially with the experience. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I was looking at the scores. I saw the first game at MPSF champs um, and it was a back and forth game, but, uh, and Austin college ended up beating Penn state Baron in the first round, but then they came back. I did not see the last one, but I saw the box score. They kind of got behind the eight ball and they were losing a little bit. And then at halftime, they just came out smoking in the third quarter. They had, and then they went up by a goal kind of going into the fourth quarter. And then, I mean, I guess they ran out of steam a little bit there in the fourth quarter and then losing by goal. But, you know, it's just that kind of learning how to win and kind of kind of and kind of learning how to just kind of finish games. That's only that's only going to come from experience. Those those tournaments in California are huge. And I we don't we don't um, care to focus so so much on what goes on in California. But there's just so much more competition. So when they go to these tournaments, they even play Cal, you know, in their first game. And uh, it, that kind of experience for these athletes is so important because they, um, you know, they just need it. They, it's basically sharpens those edges, right? Oh, it, it's just, I'm a, I'm a big believer in get games, but it's also get quality games. Yeah, so, exactly. And, um, and I and I think that Mark has gotten a nice little mix of that. Being in the MPSF has gotten him a leg up on a, on a lot of programs. You know that just means his schedule is a little bit more difficult during the year, but that's okay. I think the hard work that they've put in, like you know, last year and this year, is really going to come and uh, and blossom in the next couple of years. So. I think so too. They they I think that Austin College has done a pretty good job of getting the word out amongst Texas athletes that it is a destination for them um but these trips again to california are super helpful and back east as well is like you start you you get in front of other coaches other parents other players who see that oh this is a viable program this is not this is not some club program who's you know playing above its weight this is a real deal and that uh they have a future so i'm i'm uh it's very pleasing to see what's going on with them uh, at the end of the season yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. And then I guess, I mean, talking about Austin College, they're a Division three program, and there's the inaugural um, USA Water Bowl slash NCAA Division three championship this upcoming weekend. It's going to be hosted by Whittier and the Sky Conference, right? Right. So Whittier faces um, MIT in the first game. John Hopkins plays CMS, Claremont Mud Scripps. Um, and th- we mentioned it also, be- of course, because be- this is what Austin College's aim is down the road, is to participate in this uh, Division Three championship. Um, and so Whittier uh, won their conference, the Skyac Conference, over CMS by one goal in the final game. And uh, and uh, MIT and uh, Johns Hopkins were the other selections. And and but here's here's my question uh, for you is. Do you think it's a good idea for them to be having Division Three championships on the same weekend as the NCAA championships? I'm torn about this. I, I don't think it should, but I, I'm interested in what you and other people think. I don't think that just if you look at the schedule, this is the only weekend that you can really have it based off of conference championships and Thanksgiving and such like that. So okay, plus, I don't think they were I don't think we were really given a choice. So, yeah. Um, so, yes, I believe it's fine. Okay. Um, it'll work out. 
theoretically what you want is for them to be different times again theoretically i understand the calendar matters but uh, so that you can experience basically all of them uninterrupted in some way uh, but the beauty of live streaming so yeah you can have two screens going at the same time no doubt about that so and you're then, right yeah, ncaa so, championships yeah so but yeah the ncaa championships where they're being hosted in stockton right they're up in stockton um and uh ironically pacific got one of the final at-large bids, and they are hosting. And I know that there were some Twitter implications that uh, that it's possible that that played a role in their selection. But um, amongst the final two selections, the at-larges were USC and Pacific. And there's a, there's a great deal of controversy, I would say, about those selections. Although you and I spoke about this before, and it probably makes the most sense out of any of the choices that the NCAA selection committee had. Yeah, I mean, and then we and then we'd be remiss to to say the NCAA tournament actually started this past weekend. Yep. yep. With Bucknell beating Harvard back east, um, that and that was a first round game, which then qualified uh, Bucknell for the quarterfinals, where they'll play uh, USC. Yep. And then in the other quarterfinals, it's going to be uh, UC Davis versus Pepperdine. And then <sighs> oh, and then waiting in the semifinals are Stanford and UOP. So good times. Yeah, UC Davis absolutely slaughtered my Tritons. The the um, the best player on the Tritons was uh, no was not with them for the weekend, and it it they they struggled to beat Santa Clara by one on in the semis, and then Santa, Santa Clara had a good run by the way. Like it's a very this year's been fantastic in that regard. Is that there's been lots of teams that have that have cropped up that were surprises, but then yeah, in the final Davis just just killed them. Yeah, like I believe. Uh... UC Santa Barbara, they started off the year hot and they were beating some of the top teams in the country, but then they hit a little bit of a rough patch in the middle of the season, and that probably kind of hindered them getting selected as an as an at large there at the end. So. I think so too, right? And the you know you don't have to tell me. I wrote a story at the beginning of the season touting them as the next possible national championships that was not part of the Big Four, but I think the bigger story uh, of the season really is, and parity is not the right word, but at least far more competitive play than has been in the past. Pepperdine wins the GCC over Long Beach State, which was not expected to make the finals, and UC Santa Barbara beats Pacific in the third place game. Um, and that's after a season in which Pacific beats USC twice. Um, UC Santa Barbara has big wins against against USC and, uh, and Cal. Um, and you know, Long Beach State there is lingering the entire time. I think they finished with 10 losses, maybe even more. And here they are. They they make the conference championships. It's it's just way more exciting when you have these teams that are more competitive. Yeah, and then an exciting part is this. If USC wins their quarterfinal game against Bucknell, they play Stanford in the semifinal. Yeah, that's the other so, And then in the other side of the bracket, you have uh, UOP, which is Pacific, and UC Davis and Pepperdine. So you're guaranteed to not have both teams in the championship MPSF. Right. It's going to be one MPSF team probably, and then one non-MPSF team, which once you're in that championship game, like like you never know what's going to happen. So we might get a team outside the quote-unquote big, yeah, like the big four that are going to step up and win. So Yeah, it'd be super interesting. The, um, I know our friends over at the Cross Pass podcast, they were talking about how USC probably should not have been placed in that bracket for that exact reason. And But I'm on... Well, I don't know if I'm on your side. 
it's more exciting to me that to have exactly the scenario that you painted, which is that Pacific or Pepperdine is playing one of the two MPSF teams in the final. That's of course assuming that Southern Cal beats uh, beats Bucknell, which you know the records would suggest that that would be the case, but who knows? Um, and Stanford looks very strong at the end of the season, so uh, yeah, maybe we should maybe we should pick uh, who's going to win it all, Joe. I would love to see UOP beat Stanford in the championship, but unfortunately, yeah. I think Stanford's going to win it all. I will say pretty much exactly the same thing. Um, I wouldn't mind Pepperdine. I mean, Pepperdine's last uh, entry in the NCAA tournament was in 1997 when they won the whole thing. So if you believe in any sort of fate, then maybe they're lined up for that. But I don't think so. I think Pacific and and, uh, USC will play in the final. Uh, Sorry, excuse me, Stanford. Stanford and Pacific will play in the final. And Stanford just looks like they're peaking finally. So uh, I'm... Uh, excited to watch that online in between games up in Cowtown. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's going to be fun. So, and don't and don't forget if you want to stream those, yeah, if you want to stream the NCAA games, yeah, you can go to NCAA.com or just search, you know, NCAA Water Polo Championships. If you want to stream the Division Three Championship games, you can go to Woodyear Water Polo website or to or to USA Water Polo, and then there's in the uh, and then there's direct links. So there's plenty of water polo to watch this weekend if you're not playing. So. Plenty, m- most definitely. All right, time for a little break, and we'll come back and talk about what's next on the calendar. Are you with it? Is out of Fort Worth, Texas, one of the few non-California guys, and Zach Lowry skips it in. We're level again. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. What's coming up next? I mean, there's some, there's uh, gosh, we're even starting to talk about the high school season, exciting yeah. stuff, but what else is coming up uh, in the next couple months while well, things are a little bit slower? Um, yeah, we got the dare to dream that's coming up here in, um, in January over MLK weekend. That's going to be a specific 12 and under tournament. I think we're going to do like a little podcast. That's going to be focused on that here in yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and That'll be and that'll have a 12 and under mixed division, a 12 and under girls division, and a 10 and under mix. That'll be at Lamar High School's new pool. That's so that's going to be again over MLK weekend, uh, January 18th and 19th. You got the Spin Lob Classic, which is going to be a men's and women's open tournament. It's going to be in Austin. It's going to be in Austin again at, at the UT Swim Center on February 1st and 2nd. It's going to be hosted this year by the Southwest Zone, uh, kind of working with Longhorn as the local host. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be slightly different than what it's been in the past. But it's again that brings that's gonna that's a tournament that that's gonna bring teams from across the country, including the big dogs like you know uh, NIAC and O Club that are gonna have Olympians and former national team players on it. Right. Um, and that is a great tournament. That is Super Bowl Sunday weekend, but that's okay. Um, I, you know, I know those teams from California, and New York have a good time when they come to Austin. So yeah, they they seem to want to come back every year, and they obviously provide a, a lot of entertainment for these for for that really cool tournament. Yeah, and then um, and then of course you know we're starting high school season in the spring. Then, I believe. And then there'll be I think there's going to be three age group tournaments, and I say age group, I mean like eighth grade and under tournaments. You know, because right. all like all the high school age kids are going to be playing in the high school season. So there's the there's the Thunder Spring Invite in late February, early March. Then there's going to be the Southside Badger Brawl, which is going to be early um, April. And then there's going to be the Tags, uh, the yeah, well, yeah, which is Texas Age Group State Water Polo Championships, which is the state championship for eighth grade and sixth grade and under. That'll be the last week of April. 
Um, and then of course you got the high school state championships the first week of May. And then you, and then you roll on into the summer season, which has the welcome to Texas shootout and everything else. So can you help, but think, I mean, the, the high school season is around the corner, but I'm, I'm so in the UIL state of mind. I'm already thinking like, Oh, it's not, it, it's going to be next fall. And I'm just excited about it. Like I can't wait for that to happen. But anyway, right. We got the, we have the final two Tiska seasons coming up. Uh, and um, and then we kick off UIL the following year. Yeah, there's. I mean, I'm very excited about it, but there's lots of work to do still. You know, we still need. I think we mentioned it kind of earlier about the like we always need more refs. You know, we need more coaches. There's going to be more high schoolers that are, are going to start playing here over the next couple of springs, kind of leading no up to the fall 2021. So there's a lot of stuff to do here. So, yes, I'm excited about fall of 2021, but I'm also thinking about all the work that's going to be done between now and then. Okay. You know, you and I need to talk off the air about uh, SPCC and TAPS, too. I'm curious about how that's going to take place because um, I'm my understanding is that there's been efforts going on, but I don't really know about them. So um, we'll hop on the phone and we'll talk about that sometime. And then maybe we'll bring it up here. Who knows? Sure. All right. Well, it's great to be back. But I think uh, I think we're pretty much caught up with what's going on, so we're done as usual. Get some so, rest. Get uh, some rest. I will. I slept slept so great last night, but I woke up at 4:30. That's that's the problem. That whole thing. Anyway, go to go to txwaterpolo.com and listen to the podcast. Find us on social media. Leave comments and all that stuff. But for today, we're done. And Joe, thank you as always. Yeah. Take care, James. You too. And thanks to all of you for listening and for telling a friend about the TX Water Polo podcast. Until next week. So long from Austin.